Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Gutierrez. Super excited to bring you another episode. Stay tuned. This podcast show does not constitute legal advice. Thank you to our show sponsor, Strike National Investigations. Obsessed with results, powered by facts. In today's episode. When you mentioned Department of Justice, DC, and then you mentioned politics. So for example, a certain politician took a lot of money from a particular lobbyist or a special interest group, and then seeing how that influenced the way he or she voted in Congress. It's an example that we see all the time in political ads. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, these are the people that are making, you know, critical decisions for the country, right? So you would want to have uh, the right research being conducted. How's it going, everyone? This is uh, your host, Chris Gutierrez. Uh, really excited to be back here again with another episode. Uh, we're really excited to have a special guest today. Um, Ed's a great friend, a great colleague, and a very knowledgeable professional in the industry. Um, and we're going to be talking about some uh, trending topics, uh, specifically with uh, social media, AI, ChatGPT, and everything else that's going on in the online world. So um, I could certainly introduce Ed, but I think I'll be doing a disservice uh, to all the qualifications and how great this guy is. So I'll just kind of turn it over to him and let him kind of introduce himself a little bit. So Ed, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you here. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm um, I'm a private investigator, and I specialize primarily in uh, research-based investigations. Um, I do everything from social media and online uh, investigations to your typical due diligence, background checks, um, public records, court records, asset investigations, things like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great to be here. So thanks so much for inviting me to be on. No, man. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, I said it off the record, but thanks again for your flexibility. You know, I, it's uh, it took a couple, you know, going back and forth to get this uh, scheduled. And uh, you're a great guy, man. And uh, I appreciate that. So, um, look, just, uh, you know, and, and I want to just kind of get the audience a little bit of background on you. Um, I know you've dived into what you specialize, but uh, for anybody that's connected with you on LinkedIn um, and maybe other social media platforms that you're on, uh, one of the things that stands out right away is, you know, Forbes, uh, NBC, CBS. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did, how did you get into the industry? What, what was it that drove you to, you know, uh, getting in this type of field? Was it something that just kind of fell into? Did you always have that, you know, dream of becoming, you know, uh, uh, an intelligence analyst, an investigator. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, um, I, uh, I life, I love what I do now, and and the fact that I sort of fell into it a little bit unintentionally uh, is actually kind of a bit ironic because now looking back at, at the last uh, 15, 20 years of my career path, uh, it all sort of makes sense now, right? So <laughs> I, I uh, was always interested in. Uh, law from the time I was in high school. Um, so I had planned to, um, you know, go to law school or go to college to study 
uh, political science, government, things like that. So when I graduated college, uh, I, uh, my first job was a uh, paralegal for the U.S. Justice Department in D.C. Uh, and we were working on uh, really big litigation, business litigation at the time. Uh, a couple of years doing that, I left to go work for another organization in D.C., doing a lot of background uh, research. It wasn't for an investigation agency uh, per se, but it was for uh, a nonprofit that really studied a lot of how money flowed in politics and how different uh, political organizations function. So that really involved a lot of, uh, you know, digging into companies and people and, and finances and things like that. Um, and then in 2016, I started my own um, uh, private investigation firm, which kind of combines a lot of my, you know, passion experience in law with investigating and research. Um, so it kind of all came together and it really makes sense how all those things from the from my past kind of culminated uh, into this. And so since then, I've tried to be really active and helping, uh, you know, it, really trying to be involved in the profession and in the industry to uh, learn as much as I can and be involved in, in how things are shaping up because quite a lot has really uh, come onto the stage in the last 10 years. And it's, and as we're, we're seeing, it's really continuing to develop. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, no, and your commitment is, you know, definitely, uh, reflected, um, you know, some things that you didn't mention, but you know, it just, it just goes to show your commitment to, uh, your vice president now of the national council of investigative and security services, you know, where that's a mutual organization that we're both, uh, part of great community there, right. A lot of great professionals, great network too. Um, and, uh, and that just all goes to the development and improvement of, of the industry, uh, overall. So, um, just cause I know some of the audience are probably gonna, you know, they probably thought about this when you mentioned department of justice, DC, and then you mentioned politics <laughs> and, 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 uh, and then you mentioned doing some research as far as like, you know, how the money flows within there without sharing anything specific and throwing anybody under the bus or doing anything of that. Uh, did you ever like see anything, you know, just kind of remarkable that stuck to you as far as like things in general that, that were going on when, when you were involved in, in those types of, uh, research processes? A little bit. Yeah. In fact, do, doing that kind of work is a lot like doing a, uh, a due diligence background investigation now. I mean, you're looking for a, a lot, of, you're looking for things that could potentially be uh, red flags, but things that could potentially get someone hung up in in uh, in uh, some kind of PR nightmare. So really, there is there is a lot of overlap between legal investigations, PR, and crisis management, and and political research, and just general background investigations and due diligence. So what I was yeah. doing is, uh, you know, looking. We were uh, some of the things that we would see would be um, along the lines of financial uh, issues. So, for example, a certain politician took a lot of money from a particular lobbyist or a special interest group, and then seeing how that influenced the way he or she voted in Congress. is It's an example that we see all the time in political ads. And sometimes even before someone enters politics, that could be a subject of investigation and just to see what kind of businesses they were involved in, what kind of uh, reputation they had in the industry or profession that they were in before. So it really is kind of a lifestyle and lifelong uh, sort of background check in those yeah. sorts of circumstances. And you have to think very creatively in those cases. 
Yeah, no, totally. I mean, these are the people that are making, you know, critical decisions for the country, right? So you would want to have uh, the right research being conducted uh, before they're either elected or even once after election to make sure that everything, you know, it's going the way it's supposed to go. So um, that's great, man. Uh, let's talk about one of the trending topics right now, which is ChatGPT. You know, it, OpenAI, it's, it's been... Uh, something that I think tremendously developed quickly, especially after COVID. You know, when when we look back at the timeline and you know how quickly technology, not necessarily started evolving, but it started being accessible uh, to the public. Uh, COVID was really, in my opinion, that uh, that just that push that took it over the peak and you know started making it more accessible to everybody. A lot of it, not necessarily maybe because of a want, it was a lot of a need, right? That the, the technology needed to be there for people to connect for work and do all sorts of things. Um, so on that note, ChatGPT, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, how do you have you used it, or have you personally implemented it? Like, what what do you what do you think about ChatGPT, and then integrating that within uh, investigations? Yeah, so uh, ChatGPT is sort of one, um, just one component of like the general uh, artificial intelligence world that we're just seeing it quite exploding over the last right. couple of years. So ChatGPT is a more uh, conversational. The reason why it's so popular is because it's such an easy to use conversational way to interact with AI. Um, right. there, AI has been a, a part of a lot of the uh, different tools that we use uh, for the last couple of years. It's just been more sort of a background thing. So when we yep. use a, a, uh, a social media database or something like that, um, there's a lot of algorithmic stuff going on in the background, artificial intelligence that's piecing things together so we don't really have to think about it. But uh, ChatGPT really brought things to everyone's, uh, right to everyone's desktop and right at their fingertips at, at a way to access information that we didn't really, uh, uh, the way to it, we didn't really interact with it before. So um, yeah. I, I'm kind of... Um, I've used ChatGPT a lot to do uh, certain things with when I'm um, thinking about marketing or business development or how to write a particular email in this way or how do I uh, write a, uh, a branding guide, a business plan. Um, things like that is really good because it's going to help you sort of get a good outline piece together um, and, and compose something um, it, it sort of helps you along the way. Um, so yeah. that's why I think ChatGPT I've used at least so far in the past is, uh, we're still, at, we're still in the very primitive ages of it. And I think it's going to go great places and in, yeah. in, the, in the coming few years. Yeah, totally. No, I agree with you. And, you know, I want to dissect a couple of things that, that you mentioned, which is AI has been around for quite several years now, right? And it's more, it was more happening in the background. Um, and, um, at least on, our devices, you know, for example, let's use the iPhone as an example, right? There's Siri and Siri was introduced several years ago. Siri is artificial intelligence, is analyzing. And as I'm saying, Siri, of course, all of my Apple devices are like hobby <laughs> here and listening. So that's AI, right? It's triggering, it's, it's understanding a certain command. And then it's basically giving you uh, a prompt based on a command. Um, and, uh, and that's, uh, AI, uh, technology that happens in the background. So we don't see it a lot, 
but yeah, ChatGPT more being command based and uh, and you know it's uh, generative generative language models and uh, it's more of very easy to just chat with it and for it to give you a response. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm sure you've came across this, but now they're releasing uh, GPTs. So almost like a app store, but for ChatGPT, where now you can go in there and you can develop your own GPT and you can make this. Uh, detective analyst or a data analyst or a marketing person. And this is ChatGPT basically doing that for you, but you're training it on how to, an how to analyze and how to kick back certain information in what format you want it. So that basically you program it that way. And next time you just basically command this particular GPT uh, and it assists you with that. So um, definitely lots of, uh, Lots of ways to utilize it, but I think you you really nailed on the on the most common ones that at least in the investigations world, it can be utilized immediately, which is like marketing, which is kind of you know uh, going over that writer's block when responding to an email, um, even with analyzing uh, large volumes of data more number wise, not so much necessarily the analytical component of like the facts, but more number wise where you need to rearrange certain spreadsheets or make sense of certain numbers and get data from there. Uh, and this might apply more for like uh, forensic accounting or those financial crime type of investigations. Uh, I, I find that to, to be very helpful too. Uh, and it's more in a beta uh, section right now where you can activate uh, the beta, the analytical component. So that's great stuff, man. Uh, Chad GPT, I mean, what, what's your projection? Uh, do you think that, you know, if you had to project, um, you know, how quickly ChatGPT is going to advance into actually doing some of the components that we do in investigation? One, do you think that that's at some point going to happen? And two, what's your time frame that you think it would take for it to happen to get to that point? Yeah, I think we're, like you mentioned, I think we're going to see a lot of great applications for it when it comes to analyzing large data sets and things that would really be sort of a very labor intensive, but a very uh, predictable and very repetitive thing for investigators. I think AI uh, tools and, and, and artificial intelligence in general is going to be a great help um, in sort of analyzing this bulk data or analyzing information. But the key is, is once the information has been properly collected, and that's going to be sort of the, the barrier where, where the, the area that, that AI can't really get to quite yet. Um, yeah. So for people who do investigations like I do, which is going to individual county court uh, databases and indexes and websites, to, to search methodically for court records. Uh, we know that some of these websites are very hard to access. Yeah. Some of them haven't been redesigned since the uh, 80s, <laughs> if yeah. websites were even around then. And so yeah. uh, when you have sort of these inconsistent um, data collection portals, it becomes hard for a tool to sort of learn all the different nuances for those things to collect and then ingest and analyze. So. As investigators, we I think it's a, really still the onus is on us to know our sources and to know where the information is coming from, where the information exists, and know of knowing knowing where it exists and knowing how to go get it. 
And then once we do, I think AI is going to be uh, quite a swift tool to use when it comes to analyzing all that kind of stuff. So like you said, Ed, large spreadsheets and things like that, it'll be great on because the data is already presented to it and the data is already accessible to it in a very clean, consistent format. Um, yeah. So I think the time frame is it's definitely so rapid that we're seeing every week, every month, new kind of releases with chat GPT, but also it's changing the game of the entrepreneurial world because everybody now wants to latch on to AI technology and develop some sort of different tool that can do something different that they can okay. sell for a, you know, like a, a, a monthly subscription or something like that. So we're going to see pretty, yeah. pretty rapid development in the AI sphere. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's a, uh, and it's a great differentiator, right? If you know how to leverage it. Uh, properly. And, you know, you, you transitioned there a little bit into our, the, what, a conversation that we were having off the record, which is um, there isn't one platform that really has all information, right? And, and I think that's uh, uh, for some of our listeners that not, may not necessarily be investigators or, um, or, you know, may not necessarily perform online uh, type of investigations. Um, some people, and I've heard it before when I was in law enforcement, like, well, why don't you just go and just search it on your computer and like it should come up there, right? And it's like, the, and even in law enforcement, there, there's different systems and there isn't just one general uh, that would just have everything for one person. Um, and, you know, on our end, you know, through uh, Strike National Investigations uh, through my company. I mean, we do social media investigations too, but more on the insurance side of things, insurance claims, and and even to do just a thorough social media investigation. It's not just one platform. It's you know I can't probably count them with all of my fingers. It's like so many different sources that you have to check um, to to be able to at least you know get as thorough as possible. Um, What's your thought on, you know, some of these platforms, uh, paid platforms out there? I think one of the common ones uh, as far as like public records is like Unicord, right? Unicord and there's different, uh, you know, you can access core records. But then what has been your experience as far as the accuracy? Like, do you actually get all the data or accurate data through this? Or do you find yourself having to go directly with the courts and get the information there? Yeah, I think um, in, a, in a lot of cases, the databases um, and the tools that we all use on a daily basis are absolutely essential. Uh, they're definitely helpful in getting us uh, started, and they would they save us uh, untold numbers of hours of time yeah. that we would have ha that we would have to invest in you know, without them. So, um, okay. with, with that being said, they're, they are um, aggregating data. Essentially, any kind of tool or database is meant to just do something in a quick fashion. It, it's, it's, they're definitely, uh, you know, accurate and, and great at pulling in a lot of information, but there's always that piece of, you don't know what you don't know. So if we, um, it's kind of like, um, you know, taking kind of like a bird's eye view of something and, um, you know, you really get a great picture of, uh, like a wide angle view of everything going on, but you kind of have to focus it on certain areas that might be, uh, that might require a little bit more examination. So for the, for the court 
records, for example, um, every state and every county and sometimes even every municipality has their own different way of record keeping. So uh, in, in some jurisdictions, uh, you may have the state court and county court and then various city and municipal courts, and not all of them are sharing or uploading their data and making it accessible to uh, third-party databases. So that's why it you may do a database search and find all this great stuff, but you may only be hitting a certain uh, percentage of all the possible things that exist out there. So uh, definitely essential tools to use, but it's about knowing, uh, going back to what I was mentioning about knowing your sources and knowing what's included, what's not included, what you might have to sort of zoom in more on to get a, to get a better idea and a more, more, um, a more accurate picture. Yeah, yeah, and I think what helps a lot too, a lot of the databases are good nowadays being transparent with where they co they're collecting the data from. Right. And that as investigators, that helps us understanding, okay, you're selling us this data and, you know, you, you, uh, this is what's kicking back when we search certain criteria or certain, uh, certain type of information. But where are you collecting this data from and where is this coming from? So that now as an investigator, I can make the determination, how likely is it that this data is accurate and that is current? and not outdated um and now you make the, the the decision as the investigator um whether you know you're going to move forward with it or not or there's additional research that has to be conducted um i'm sure you know social media is is one of those uh topics and especially in the investigations world uh with a large amount of the population being on social media nowadays and posting tremendous amount of content daily uh, on everything that they're doing, um, there's just an invaluable, you know, amount of information that can be collected just through social media. Tell us about maybe, you know, a case that comes to mind. And again, without having to share two specifics, but that you, you know, you just remember this case because, man, it just, there was something, you know, extravagant that, that, you know, that, that happened in that case or just something, you know, impressive that really wasn't much of the norm, uh, as the other cases. Yeah. So a, a lot of cases, uh, re especially recently are, are, are very surprising in the fact that, um, we'll uh, do a, a search of many of the common social media platforms and find that either the person does not have an account there or, uh, their privacy settings are set such so high that it's really uh, usually isn't much value to be found there anyway. So no content, yeah. no pictures, uh, things like that. So we've really expanded the scope of the kinds of sites and platforms that we search on. So maybe, uh, for example, back in, uh, you know, 10 years ago, Facebook was the most ubiquitous social media platform there was. Maybe, maybe Twitter and as well and, and Instagram or one or two others, but you know, you had the main sites and, uh, and really if someone had a social media, uh, account, it was going to be on one of those sites. Now it's a little different where, yeah, they may have an account there, but maybe they're using it less actively, uh, have higher privacy settings than they used to, uh, or just in general have, have weaned off of it and gone to different platforms. So now in 2023 going on 2024, there are many other social media sites that have come up and many different platforms and many ways of sharing information that uh, and having interactions that didn't exist before. 
So one thing that we've done is they really surprised me in a lot of cases was, um, you know, we find might find their Facebook or their Twitter or their Instagram and there's not much there. So, uh, you know, call it a day. There really isn't much there, but we'll look for other sites and platforms like their Venmo account, um, yeah. their TikTok account. Um, some people um, also have, uh, uh, you know, uh, dating profiles, things like that. And using those sort of secondary platforms and tools has, has sometimes been more surprising than the mainstream social media sites. So someone might, might not want to post on their Facebook or their LinkedIn, um, you know, uh, things that they're doing that they may not want the world to know. But maybe their Venmo account has some details and transaction history of, of uh, who they're hanging out with and where they're going and and uh, what kinds of activities they're engaging in because they don't really think of Venmo as a social media platform per se. So the guard is down a little bit. And if there's some great information that could be obtained from some of these non-mainstream social media sites. So I think in the past couple of years, that's really what's uh, on, a, on, on many cases, what has been most surprising. Yeah, yeah. And to add to that, I think that a lot of the, uh, or the increment of lack of, uh, content on the the uh the people's individual profiles has to do with nowadays people are more of a data consumer or a content consumer rather than a content producer right people have tiktok accounts but they're usually not posting anything on tiktok they're usually consuming content from tiktok so they'll just have an account they might have a profile picture they might have a profile picture not of them um and they might not necessarily have anything posted on their, on their TikTok, but they're on TikTok every day, all day. And they're just consuming the content. And same thing for like Instagram and uh, Facebook, Snapchat, and, you know, ton of other ones that just keep being uh, created. Um, and the other thing that, that you touch based on, uh, which, you know, it's, it's very important too, is the, the privacy settings, right? I think more and more... Um, uh, lately, at least over the last, uh, I would say maybe the last year, I've seen it rank up a little bit more where these platforms have been much better at notifying uh, consumers or individuals about their data uh, privacy settings and how to adjust those if they want, you know, certain uh, privacy uh, privileges or, or, or take advantage of certain privacy settings there. Uh, and I think that has contributed in some ways to uh, the type of data that we're seeing when, when we're, uh, doing those, those, uh, investigations. Cause I remember back then when, um, uh, I, I was working for a carrier at the time and, and we used to be able to look at the location history of an individual, like on their Facebook. Um, and, and this wasn't so much like what they were posting is more like when we would meet with them in person and say, Hey, uh, you know, you say you were on th at this location on this day at this time. Are you okay if, like if we look at your account together and you can show us and we can confirm that you were there and people are surprised like what this keeps the location history right or on an iphone significant locations or on google maps a timeline um and and i think more and more people started becoming aware of these things and then changing their 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 privacy settings but there's certainly ways around it um and some platforms you know uh, let's say like scope now they introduce uh, a feature uh, with uploading an image and then being able to search for somebody based on like uh, their facial characteristics what has been your have you utilized that what has been your experience uh, with those type of uh, search functionalities 
Yeah, the facial facial recognition is also another sort of offshoot of of, uh, of AI that I think is going to be a really huge game changer with investigations. Um, and particularly when it comes to, um, you know, like you said, having an image of, of a person and then using a tool to basically see where else that image exists. So only a few years ago, the only tool that we had that was even close to that was just reverse image searching. And what yep. that is doing, by, by and large, is it's just seeing if that same exact image exists somewhere else on the internet. It's not, it's not doing facial recognition or what we consider facial recognition per se. Now there's there are several facial recognition tools out there. Some are free, some are paid, uh, where you can take an image of someone and actually, re you know, recognizes the facial patterns, and then goes and finds other images, different images of that same person. Um, so, uh, that, you know, it, it's, it's a mind blowing tool and advancement with, uh, artificial intelligence of being able to use that to identify other social media accounts of someone, um, particularly in cases when, uh, another thing people are doing for privacy now is not using their full name or real name on their social media accounts. So their Instagram username might be, um, soccer fan one, two, three, and their, you know, bio might have a whole bunch of stuff, but they never really say their real name, or maybe they use their first name and middle name. So finding somebody online is becoming a little bit trickier where you can't just search their first and last name and, and hope it pulls up everything. So facial recognition tools are going to be a huge, uh, adv advancement in that sense of, of finding things that, um, uh, that were sort of beyond our reach before. Yeah, yeah. And and you you hit the nail there when it comes to usernames, right? Nowadays when you actually can identify somebody and you can tie them to a particular account and now you have that username, that username tends to be kind of like your digging tool because people tend to use the same or similar usernames across other platforms that they have uh and they keep it consistent. And and now that allows us to, you know, as professionals to search based on that username too. And all of a sudden Oh, now we have, you know, five ten profiles with the same exact username. Great. Now let's look into this, right? And and let's see what uh what comes up there. So definitely uh, you know, def definitely a lot of, you know, um analytical skills and creative uh ways to uh get around some of the current challenges. Um, but that I think goes back to what we were talking just earlier in the conversation, which is is AI at the point that it can replace, you know, completely an investigator, right? Like can, can basically a client, whether it's an insurance company, whether it's a, a law firm, whether it's, you know, corporate, whatever it is, can they just utilize AI and completely replace that investigator? And, and, and I think we both agree that, that no, it's, it's not there. And, and I don't really think it's going to be there uh, at least for several many years. Uh, it definitely will streamline the process and it will make it much more quicker and much more easy to come through vast amounts of data, uh, but not really at the level of replacing, um, you know, fully replacing at least without some human involvement. So, um, you know, to, to, uh, as we're wrapping this up, um, obviously, you know, through, through the Institute, uh, uh, through the Institute, uh, the National Education Institute of Investigations, um, education is something that it's, you know, very important. And, and we think that that's really the equalizer between everybody. Uh, why is education important for you? 
Yeah, I think I think it's because when it comes to um, in, investigation, things are always changing so rapidly, and we don't we don't know what we don't know. And there might be another tool or resource out there, or something, uh, some uh, uh, database or index or repository that we did not know existed. Uh, we see a lot of times on um, uh, different forums and, and communities of investigators asking each other. Uh, how do I find this? Or how do I find that? And sometimes there's a tool just right under our nose that that's uh, that's available to us. Uh, a lot of times there are actually government uh, databases that are free and open to the public. And so yeah. there are some uh, there are some great resources out there. There are thousands of things that we have to keep in our brain at any one given time. So I think education and training is definitely uh, critical for knowing uh, and keeping up with the changes whether they might be AI or whether they might be just traditional, uh, the things that we, that we use every day. Um, so I, I think it's important to stay on top of those topics, um, so that we can just del keep delivering the best service we can for our clients and our clients have the expectation that we are the experts and that we are the professionals. So, uh, it is our, our duty and responsibility to make sure that we're well-trained and, and that, uh, educated, uh, uh, especially for a lot of the solos and, and small businesses out there, uh, to make yeah. sure that we're, we're not staying too isolated and that we're, that we're keeping up with the latest trends and techniques. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really is a development, uh, developing process, right? It's something that you, uh, you know, an expert is, is not, at least the way I see it, it's not somebody that gets a certification as an expert once and that's it. They know it all. Like you really have to just stay on top of these things. Like you're subscribing to all these different, uh, associations, to all these different groups, uh, you know, signing up to, uh, education institutes and you're just staying on top of like the trends, what's going on, because whatever was working last month for, let's say a social media platform may not necessarily work this month because there were some changes and had you not stayed on top of that and had you not known that there's you know it's going to be much more difficult uh for you to stay on top of things and be able to, to deliver the quality that that clients deserve right and i think that's the common uh consensus there is uh we're all doing it to be able to deliver a great uh work product and and to be able to do a good job so um it was great having you on the show, man. You know, it's always it's always good to to talk to other colleagues uh, in the industry, bounce some ideas, uh, talk about what's you know what's trending, and um, yeah, thanks for your time. Uh, hopefully, we can have you back here soon. And uh, I'm sure you know right now we're talking about Chat GPT, uh, and I'm sure six months from now it's probably gonna be something much more like mind blowing that we probably were not anticipating. So I'm really curious to see what that is at that time yeah yeah you know holiday shopping is is right around the corner so it's interesting to see maybe we can use uh, artificial intelligence to uh help us find good deals on some gifts and things like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i i have not tried that but i'm about to you know to go on chat gpt right now and say hey rather than find me uh all the targets uh, within, you know, a 70 mile radius to have the less lines statistically and to have the most, uh, the better deals. Right. And then those are, and then during what time should I go? <laughs> it's like, exactly. yeah, I, I, I think it's all there and it, it's just how we apply it. And so it'll be very interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah. That's funny, man. Yeah. No, I think you make a great point. Well, Hey, it was great again, having you, man. Uh, 
great chat and uh and i think our you know our listeners are certainly going to get um you know a lot of insight as to uh you know open source social media and everything that's going on in the online world nowadays yeah excellent yeah well thank you so much for having me on it was a pleasure uh being on with you great thanks man likewise Hey there, thanks again for tuning in. If you like this type of content, go ahead and subscribe and hit that notification button. Next time that we publish something, you're going to be notified right away. Thanks again. See you on the next one.